0: Hi, this is Claudia Gray, the author of Lost Stars and Into the Dark, and you're listening to The Living Force.
1: Welcome to the Living
0: Force Podcast. Be mindful of the Living Force, young Padawan.
1: A Utini
0: production. (laughs) Blip, blah, blah, blah. Episode 99 Light of the Jedi Roundtable, Part 3. On this
2: episode, what did you do for Valentine's Day?
0: Well, I guess you don't know everything about women yet.
2: A new Boba Fett comic series? As you wish. And the Utini crew wraps up their discussion of the Star Wars novel, The High Republic, Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. You want this, don't you? And now, here are your hosts... good are these guys? Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, and Dr. Charles Hankel. All right, what is up, everyone? Welcome into the Living Force. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight on our last show on the Twitch platform is uh, is not everyone. We, we messed this up royally. I do have the doctors, though. I have Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, man.
3: What's up? What's up? I'm somehow running the cameras for the first time in like a year i barely remember how to do this (laughs) we'll see if uh we'll see if we can make it happen
2: well i'm sure that'll become evident later on oh we also have dr charles hankel hey dude
4: hello there stoked for the first part three of a round table we've ever done but uh rip west jenkins
2: oh hold on here's the deal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what,
4: what, what, that would be
2: the way to announce it Oh my god uh, no, Wes is fine Wes I mean, is Wes dead Wes everyone <laughs> Wes Jenkins Our, our resident uh, producer Master of the keyboard and everything uh, He lives in Texas For those of you that don't know Texas
3: uh, as some would say
2: Yeah or some would say The planet Hoth That's right uh, For those of you unaware If you're listening to this in future times Or uh, you just aren't aware of the world around you Which I don't know Google something now and then Wes uh and the rest of Texas got hit with a massive snowstorm, which is a huge deal in Texas. Uh a lot of houses are without power. Uh Wes is okay. He is safe, but his place is without power a lot, so he's unable to join us on this show. But um I not I feel kinda empty, guys. I don't know. How do you how do you feel about this? I'm I'm a little colder than I thought I was gonna be. Not just because I live in Chicago.
3: I mean, I'm kinda glad he's gone. This is me. <laughs>
2: All right. Okay. <laughs> <Or> I'm <laughs> sad.
4: <laughs> I'm sad. I'll say that. If of course, I, I, I miss Wes. There's a chance that tonight I I might be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Wes, what are your thoughts on that? And then I'll just be like, oh. I'll just switch oh. to his. I'll
3: just switch to his empty camera. Just nothing there. Just <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
2: That's a <laughs> great can, idea. We can
3: we can imitate his voice.
2: Oh yeah. You know, I thought it was a really good book. I didn't finish it, but you know. Yeah. I like the yeah. to paint a baseball! So That's, uh, <laughs> slam. Like That's how it is.
3: Uh, exactly. exactly. You know, well, I've, said, I've said a bunch of times that I think adding Wes was the best thing we ever did on the show.
2: Agreed. Yeah. I, uh, that and the lighting.
3: But mostly West As a whole.
2: <laughs> mostly Wes. Uh, but yes, Wes, we love you. We miss you, buddy. We'll be happy to see you back when, uh, I don't know, the world writes itself a little bit. Hello to everyone as well, though, in the chat tonight. We have a lovely group of our, our Twitch faithfuls that we will see on YouTube next week. We're going to keep plugging away at that throughout this whole show, that next week we will be live on YouTube. But hello to everyone. I want to shout out Cheryl in the chat real quick because she asks Corey, what are you drinking? It looks delicious.
3: I am. Uh, oh, That's a good question. I'm actually drinking a Hazy Little Thing IPA by Sierra Nevada Brewing, which is uh, right over here in Asheville. Is not too far away. Um, right outside of Asheville, it's a really cool brewery. If you ever make your make your way to uh, to the Asheville area, um, Sierra Nevada is the nicest brewery I've ever been to. It's like a flipping resort. It's incredible.
2: I love. I'm I'm such a typical millennial in that I I do love a good brewery. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I love a beer garden. I love an overpriced charcuterie board. But you're not here for that. You're here <laughs> because you want to hear part three of our roundtable of Charles Soul's Light of the Jedi. If you missed our first two parts, pause this episode, go back there where we talked about the plot. We talked about the Hired Public Initiative a lot. We talked about the characters. Tonight, we are going to be finishing up some overarching questions that Charles brought up about the book, as well as going through Charles's famous Easter eggs. Dude is literally the premier Easter egg finder on the Star Wars internet. Fight me. Don't really. I'm not a violent person. <laughs> really. I just want to love you and caress you. Anyway. Oh, my uh, God. It, uh, <laughs> speaking of love... I did want to notice that yesterday was Valentine's Day, and I wanted to ask you all, we are still amidst the COVID pandemic. The world isn't quite as easy as we'd want it to be, maybe for, like, date nights or big occasions. But did you guys do anything uh, with your partners? Charlie and I stayed in. We watched the third To All the Boys movie on Netflix. It was wonderful. And we binged a lot of How I Met Your Mother. That was our day. What did you guys do?
3: Nice. Well, we uh, we kind of chilled out. We planned to go get sushi, actually, but that kind of fell through. We called them, and it was like crazy packed. And I was like, ah, I don't really want to go get coronavirus um, with all this. From so, a doctor. There you that's go. That's right. We From chilled at home. We ordered five guys. Uh, DoorDash Ooh, had it delivered. Nice. And uh, we watched the first uh, of the last two Avengers movies. <clears throat> What's that first one called? Oh, Infinity Sweet. War. We watched Infinity War last night. Nice.
2: Always good to end Valentine's Day on an upper. I
3: That's see. right. The end of it Infinity
2: was, War just get you in the nice, more It, was, it was, place.
3: <laughs> it was really hard to put the movie down at 10 o'clock last night and not watch, like, in-game
2: afterwards. Oh, Very God, hard. Right. But you you yeah. can't
3: start a three-hour movie at 10 o'clock on a weeknight. You just Ooh,
2: can't. I haven't done the back-to-back yet. Really? But now I really want to. That sounds I amazing.
3: I don't think I've even seen in-game since theaters, honestly. So I'm excited. It's a good film. <laughs>
2: Charles, what would you
4: do? I worked uh but saturday night nicole and i were both (laughs) off and and so we uh we had dinner in um we had some nice steaks we had cheesecake uh you know shared some gifts i i got chocolate uh, literally a bouquet of chocolate um and i gave her a bouquet of yellow roses because i'm romantic like that wow we're Freaking lame, Eric. Wow. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I do what i say. Charlie and I agreed not to get gifts, but she did give me one thing. Hold on a second.
3: Where's she see it. What, what's he doing? It's a Funko. I know it is. <laughs> Look at this yep.
2: trip!
3: Holy crap.
2: So, Charlie and I have a bit about how terrible these Star Wars Valentine's Day Funko's are. That is awful. They're literally just, the, like, they have puns on the bases. I'm putting it up to the camera. It says, oh my god, I, I, I choose you.
4: <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh my god.
2: Look at this. Um,. So, yeah, okay. But this is, this is this is cackled. like as
3: this is like as close to Beanie Babies as Funko's have ever gotten. Yeah.
4: But that being said, yes. I know you Eric and and our listeners know you and you will now have to complete the set. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: absolutely true. Um but so we did do that and I I will say I bought myself a Valentine's Day gift because you got to love yourself, right? I got the uh from Galaxy's Edge uh we Charlie found a Disney personal shopper And I got the Jedi Temple Guard and Asajj Ventress lightsabers from Galaxy's Edge. So that was my gift to myself. And I got Charlie nothing. So that was our Valentine's Day. Wow. (laughs) Except for love and affection. Corey, you, however, did a lot of other work this weekend. And I promise, folks, we are going to get to Light of the Jedi later. But I miss you guys when I don't see you. Uh, Tell them about the website. Tell them about the updates that we've done this week. Because Utini is going through a massive 2021 facelift.
3: Yeah, yeah, I can absolutely do that. We uh we've been super busy at UTNE. You guys have heard me talk about this a little bit last week. Um I've been doing a lot of crazy web design stuff. And uh I I am very close to having a uh I would say we're we're somewhere between alpha and beta in regards to uh the timeline. And I have I have a sample for you if you want to see it.
2: I love uh, free I samples! Costco <laughs> me in the face!
3: Yes, absolutely. So hope you guys are ready. This is, the, this is a new version of the timeline. We'll probably have it done in uh, the next, I would say, two weeks. I think the timeline will be live. Maybe careful, in two weeks. We'll see. Careful. I know that's dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous. It's dangerous. I'll have, it, I'll have it finished. <laughs> I'll have it finished in the next two weeks, but we it go. might not be live on the site. Let's say that. We do have some back-end stuff to
4: do, though. Hashtag we're ready? Hashtag expectations. Yes, yes we're, we're ready.
3: ready. Do it! All right, here we go. Oh, wow. It's not the right size. Hold on. They got to make it bigger. All right, that's probably. Anyway,
2: making.
4: Oh man.
3: Yeah. Okay. So this this is the new version of the timeline. It's all sleek and and pretty with the black
4: and gold. That's
3: beautiful. Yes, the black and gold. Um, it's not showing up there yet. I got to pull it down so I can pull to see the top of it better. Yeah, it's got the sweet filtering on it. Um, and I'll show you that here in a second. But yeah, you can scroll down the timeline. We got titles on here. You can. Slide out what? lots of interesting data. We're going to put IMDb information for all the films. And literally everything is on here. Uh, we got kids books. We got um, um, lots of kids books. Clone Wars episodes are going to be on the timeline. TV yep, shows. TV everything. episodes. Never oh, had wow. those before. That's those right. we are in now. Comics, graphic novels, literally everything. And look at this sweet filtering menu that we have up here. This drops down. You can see all the different stuff that's going to be in the timeline. You can see just adult novels. You can see young adult novels. Um, all the different, uh, <clears throat> all the different um, eras. Of filter by search. That's never been. Uh, we never had that before. So you can now mm-hmm. like search, search for a book and find it on the timeline. That sort of thing. And it looks, it looks super good. I, I'm very pleased with this. It this does. has been, I think, you know, it's it's kind of. It would be. It's not lying when I say that it's taken us three years to get to this point yes, because absolutely. we have,
1: absolutely.
3: we have. Our database. I'm not sure if you guys know this, uh, Eric and Charles. Our our, our database has 4,000 books in it. 4,000. That's
2: like almost half as many as Trevor owns.
3: seriously it's incredible incredible. 4,000 items are in the database like it it takes a few seconds for it to load every time we pull it up there's so much stuff in there now it's really crazy and uh, we have all these really awesome automations that are sending things from our database to the website now and and there's like there's no way we could have done this and absolute huge huge shout out to the timeline guys Trevor is a genius Frank is a genius and now Oz has been helping a little bit Emma's been helping a little bit um it's i we could not do this stuff without them they're just so nitty-gritty the way that trevor like dives into the timeline and places everything using this complex decimal Mm -hmm. system it's like it's a lot of hours that we have sunk into the behind the scenes work and like it it looks all pretty and it's like okay it's book covers and stuff but you guys don't you don't you just don't even understand the amount of data moving or things around it has to do to get it to that point so um, i'm super excited
2: we even have Trevor and Frank are in the chat right now at like two or three in the morning for that. That's them? right.
3: Good lord, guys! Yeah.
2: Amazing. Seriously though, amazing work. And for everyone listening and watching, when the timeline is fully up, if if you're like me, I like to organize my bookshelves by timeline. Or if you're reading something and you're wondering, hey, did this happen till now? It doesn't matter if it's a comic. It doesn't matter if it's Legends. It doesn't matter whatever it is. Head to the Utini timeline. Check it out. It is. We we'll, we've said it's the most accurate timeline on the internet, and if you hang out, if you listen to Star Wars Archives for 15 seconds, you'll know that's true. Yeah. So it's,
3: it's about to be the most yeah. comprehensive timeline, too. I would say. Like, and the I, most I don't think. That's right. I don't think anybody else has everything on their timeline. There's a couple of folks yep. out there that have some Excel documents and stuff, but this is this is going to have literally everything. Mandalorian episodes, everything yep. is going to be on the timeline. So. Can can't incredible. wait, and
2: we did we did adjust it to the DeLucas Lucasfilm official eras now that they've added an right. entire public so the age it, all the ages will line up with the timelines in front of the books. Like we we got you, yeah, we got you. I'm super Congratulations. excited. Congratulations! I can't wait for more of that, and of course more things coming out every single week. Uh, but speaking of next week, our biggest announcement, which we have said a couple times, but I really want to say one last time: next week is the Utini Living Force 100th episode. Um, our big 100th episode is spectacular. I don't want to hype it up too much because it, it'll be good. I don't know. It'll be fun. But most importantly, it will be on YouTube. We are switching our live platform from Twitch to YouTube. We've had a great time on Twitch. But we want to make sure that everyone has access and everyone that subscribes to our awesome YouTube channel gets notifications when we go live on the living force. So next Monday – which is the 22nd, there we go, which is the 22nd, second? will be live for our 100th episode on YouTube. And, Corey, remind me, we're doing our new time next week. Is that correct?
3: Yes, we are also doing a new time next week. We're going to be starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time, 8 p.m., an hour later than we usually do. I think that might be, depending on how it goes, that might be the new permanent time. We have—we had have to work around Charles' schedule a little bit, but um, I, I think we can make 8 p.m. the permanent time, which would be better for our West Coast folks. So I'm yeah. excited to do that.
2: You know, a lot of folks, like even even if you're in Central, if you're in Mountain, no matter where you are, at least U.S.-based, we want to make it as easy as possible to watch live. And if you're elsewhere in the world, hopefully this shift will help you as well. And, of course, all the other stuff is staying. We're still recording the show. We're still putting it up on YouTube. We're putting it up in audio. So thank you all so much. Oh, and here come the final Joxy, 200 bits because bits will be gone. So, yeah, I guess use them up if you got them.
3: That's right. That's
2: thank right. you so much. All right, a couple other updates before we get back into Light of the Jedi tonight. We have a new patron, uh, Tracy Yao, who joined us as a monthly patron. Thank you so much. We hope you're enjoying many things, including, like we said last week, our Phantom Menace film commentary. Uh, we hope that some of you have been able to listen to that already yourselves. I know Trev said he listened to it without even watching the film because, you know, some of us have memorized it to that point. You can figure out where we are. <laughs> if anybody so if has, some... definitely
3: has been Trevor. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh,
2: so if that's something you want, Uh, to do, go ahead, throw that out during your work day, hear us for chat about the Phantom Menace, and of course, everything else in that Patreon feed. And Charles, can you please intro my favorite segment of the week?
4: Yes, indeed. So, the patron of the week is what Eric is probably referring to. And this week, our patron of the week is Maggie... AKA Magdalife in our Discord server, one of our really active members, a lot of fun. She sent us in some audio, so I'll shut up now and we will play that.
0: Hi everyone, my name is Maggie. I go by Magdalife in the UTN Discord. I live in New York, the greatest city in the world. And for this award, I would like to thank the Academy, my parents, just kidding. But for real though, thank you for picking me to be patron of the week. I'm actually about one month away from the first anniversary of my deep descent into my Star Wars fandom. I've always liked Star Wars, but in more of a passive way. Like many who were young in the 90s, my dad sat me down and played me the original trilogy on VHS many times. It was the gold box set with the Darth Vader's cardboard head as the lid, but I didn't read my first Star Wars book until March 18th of last year. I looked it up in my Goodreads account. Honestly, what prompted me to start Googling my Star Wars questions was the realization that there are too many important words in Star Wars that start with R. I truly could not have told you at that point the difference between the Rebellion, the Republic, and the Resistance. I'm good now, though, don't worry. I found the Uteni timeline after realizing just how much knowledge there is out there and realizing that if I was going to shove it all into my little goldfish brain, I was going to need to go in order. I have now read 36 Star Wars novels, and I can still say that my favorite Star Wars is The Empire Strikes Back. Although Rebels is a really close second. The Ghost Crew podcast is actually what made me sign up to be a patron. But anyway, I love Hoth. Leia's outfit and the snow and watching that AT-AT fall down with the wire wrapped around its legs are some of my very oldest memories. Is there a better first fictional role model than Princess Leia? This leads me directly to my question for the hosts. Imagine, right now, that you have long, flowing, luscious brunette locks. Who is your style icon? Princess Leia or Queen Amidala? You can choose any Leia hairstyle from the OT, except maybe when it's unbraided on Endor because that's a cop-out, or any of the actual queen hairstyles from The Phantom Menace. Caveat that you don't actually have to do the hair yourself in this hypothetical. You have all the handmaidens you need.
2: Okay, go. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, that's great. First of all, Maggie, I want to say because you talked about Hoth so much, I blame you for what's going on outside my window um, with the uh, copious amounts of horrendous winter uh, weather that I've gotten in Chicago. But, guys, that's a great question. Um... I mean, Mike. Okay, so my gut says whenever I hear "style icon," I go to I gotta go to Padme. But my weirdly, I thought about the um, the hair that's like it, it's in it's, it's when they go and visit Naboo, I think when she has her, no no it's in Revenge of the Sith when she's on the landing and it's like long, mm-hmm. but Episode One specifically. Oh, there's a lot of good. am having I'm having trouble picking one. What do you guys think? We got um, a lot of good style icons here. There
3: is a lot of good style icons. My favorite of uh of Padme's hair. Actually, here I uh I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna pull up the screen. Oh, share. you can control it. <laughs> I can control it. It's this one. It's it's when when
2: okay, when that's the one I meant. That's the one I meant. Yes, actually, when Anakin
3: when, when, and Anakin has the bad dream or whatever, that's and they go out, out on the just, balcony like, yes. together. She literally woke that's up mine. like that.
4: She literally Yes, I mean,
3: yes! Look, she'll, it's like, it's curly and luscious, and and, and cool. Natalie Portman was uh, the biggest crush of my life growing up, so... Ah, uh, like,
2: yes, the past tense, I see.
3: Yes, so huh I'm married now, so I have to use past tense, so
4: there we yeah, go. Yeah, you don't have
2: crushes anymore, I remember. Okay, but any- <laughs> well, I, I also, it's oh, got to be Padme,
4: but I'm going to choose from the end of ep one. I just love to look <laughs> at the parade at the end when she's got the white dress oh, and the full yeah. white face paint but but she she's got her hair kind of in like multiple little i don't know they're they're almost like Leia buns but there's like three or four mm-hmm. of them not covering her ears. I, I'm going to go with that one.
2: That's a that's a dope look. Uh Oh, it's Ill. Here, here here. Wait, I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah,
3: I got it. Put up put up put up. up. Uh, this one right here.
4: That's the one. Yes. One? That's yep. the one. Oh, dude,
2: that is that is some Leia padme. That is a ray precursor if I ever saw yeah, one. That exactly. is 100% It's
4: got some ray vibes to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you
3: have to this is a, this is a good time to just appreciate i just don't choose how that half
4: circle down there i don't choose that where half circle uh, that, that oh, one in the middle the, i don't what this the, one? the cover this? of that queen's one. peril I yeah don't, i don't oh, choose yeah. that one
3: no fair enough, fair enough fair enough yeah you have to appreciate like look at all the hairstyles good lord the costume designers oh, in tremendous. star wars this is absolutely incredible like yeah absolutely incredible
2: I do want to say one thing about the the one that Corey and I picked. Uh, I like. I feel like that's the most like easy dude hairstyle because I love it. But we're like, oh, it's so effortless because she just wakes up in it. But realistically, that <laughs> took hours of time, know, which is the most perm. like. Oh, I love it when you look natural. Which means like I love that you took hours of your life to make this look effortless. Anyway, uh, fantastic question, Maggie. And Maggie, you are a gem in the Youtini yes, community. Absolutely. Um, so happy to, to, also, to hear that you're loving it. I don't her know if you man. guys
3: noticed that, but she could totally be like an audiobook narrator or something. That's like,
2: great. That's was that was phenomenal. Yeah. You, was... have a, you
3: have, a, you have a, a good narration voice. I don't I know what to it your is. your
2: podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Um, and also, thanks for your nice words about the Ghost Crew. I love, we love doing that. So thank you thank you so much for that Rebels love. Ah, I love our community. you all great people. Again, keep your eyes out. You may be our next patron of the week. All right. An abbreviated version now of the Star Wars Weekly Roundup. Not a ton of giant Star Wars news this week, but a couple things we want to make sure we note. Uh, first of all, The High Republic Into the Dark continues the epic run of High Republic novels because it debuted at number one on the YA New York Times bestseller list.
1: Nice, uh, nice.
2: Holy crap. Uh, Light of the Jedi is still on there. I believe it was in its fourth week. So huge congrats to Claudia Gray. Everyone at Lucasfilm uh, and Del Rey, or no, not Del Rey for that one because it's YA, but at Lucasfilm for the awesome releases of that. Into the Dark, I know a lot of our community has already read and loved it. Our reviews are up. The roundtable will be coming soon. Uh, I'm not going to say which week it's going to be because I haven't asked Charles yet. So let's make sure <laughs> that I do that first before I announce. Coming, coming soon. Uh, so, congratulations to Claudia Gray and the Higher Public team. Um, A little bit of other news that got mentioned in Star Wars this week. There were some casting announcements. Probably the biggest one was the fact that Gina Carano is out of the Mandalorian because of her past behavior. We've talked about that at length and do not want to give it a ton more talk on this air. We will, however, give some time to our boy Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian himself, who landed the lead role in the Last of Us adaptation at HBO, which is freaking incredible.
3: Yeah. It's nuts like,
2: Do you guys play last of us
3: I never played last of us now I, I've, I've seen the gameplay a lot I have watched this one of the games that I've oh. like watched some of the gameplay on YouTube of
4: oh sure yeah no, fantastic I, Charles never played it no but I everyone I know who's played it just adores it yeah
2: yeah it is it is really really <clears throat> truly incredible yeah uh, One of my favorite games I've ever played, and I can't wait to see Pedro in it. I
3: I loved him in the Wonder Woman movie. I know not not everybody loved the Wonder Woman movie, but his character was phenomenal in Wonder Woman 1984. I absolutely absolutely loved it. That meme format where he's like, it's good, but it could be great. I love that
2: so (laughs) much.
3: Such a great format.
2: So, stoked to Pedro. And he's like the nicest guy in the world. Give him all the money. Give him all the roles. Congratulations, man, and so, so stoked that another member of the Star Wars family is finding success elsewhere. And finally, we got a tease today. By the time you hear this, if you're not hanging out live, this will be old news. Um, We got a tease at StarWars.com of a picture of Boba Fett. Corey, if you want to throw that up real quick, there was literally an, an article that showed this teaser of Boba Fett with a freaking spear and a gun, and there's the Marvel logo. And they said there's something that's going to be announced tomorrow, Tuesday, and it was retweeted by Charles Soule. It was talked about by Matt Martin. Like this, that's a lot of people that talk about what seems to be just a comic picture, don't you think?
3: It does. And he is. Uh, it looks like it looks like Django Fett's pistol. I've never seen Boba Fett with the pistol mm. like that before, right? It's a great I remember, point. No, I, remember, I haven't looked at this image that closely, but I always do this if we <laughs> have something new live on the show like this. I don't know what this this. Aquaman trident thing is that's pretty rare. John Dutch
2: Vander in the chat says, Is that a freaking Beskar trident?
3: I don't know, maybe so. Sure,
2: what do you guys think this is
3: going to be? Is this going to be a uh, maybe a tie in to the book of Boba Fett?
2: I I think so. I I think based on Charles Soule's like Twitter fun he's having today, my my official guess I tweeted this out earlier was that this is going to be like a limited series, like maybe five, six issues. And it'll be Boba Fett's journey from Out of the Sarlacc Pit and Return of the Jedi till we Ooh. meet him in Mandalorian Season
3: 2. <laughs> that would be very, very good. I used yeah. to... Boba Fett is one of my favorite characters. I know that's super cliche to yeah. say, but, like, I've always really enjoyed Boba Fett in the Expanded Universe. Like, particularly, like, the Mandalorian Armor series, mm-hmm. which I know I know that you guys have I have not read, if I remember correctly. Nope. Um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's really good. Like, he talks about um, in Boba Fett's story of getting out of the Sarlacc Pit. I can, actually can't... It's been... Literally a de- more than a decade since I've read that book. I cannot remember if that's where it happens, but mm-hmm. um, I love that stuff. I'm excited to um, I'm excited to see what this is, and if the, it is true, if that's true, if it does this does tie into uh, the book of Boba Fett TV show. This will be the first time the books have tied into the shows. The, like yeah. it hasn't it hasn't been done that yet
2: du- that directly. Yeah, and that w- well live action be awesome? anyway. We
3: didn't get anything Mandalorian, so not yet. Yeah. There is a right. book coming, but
2: got delayed a year. But I I, right. I think it's a cool. It would be a cool idea because I think that, that Boba Fett show, of course, we it, it might have some flashbacks, right? Because, you know, this whole story. But I think if they tell the majority of the Boba Fett past in a comic, then the show can do what we love so much, which is go forward, which is tell the new stuff. Right. I mean, they've been yeah. so good with that. Uh, and, I, and I'd hate for that show to get bogged down in, like, well, how did you escape the Dune Sea? Like, yeah. every freaking episode, you know?
3: Yeah, Totally.
2: But I'd love that. So, uh, if you're listening to this, let me know if I was right. I guess. You know? We'll find out tomorrow with you. So, very excited about that. Of course, every week there's new Star Wars stuff being announced. We'll tell you about it in the weekly roundup. If there's any reference books you need, if there's any comics coming out, very excited for all of that. All right, We're going to skip book reviews again this week so we can finally at like, I don't know, almost 30 minutes in talk about Light of the Jedi a little bit. Uh, Real quick before we get into uh, Charles and our Questions and Easter eggs. I wanted to bring a little notice to this thing I have next to me, which is a Ryzen processor. And the reason I have it here is that on this very show weeks ago, I mentioned it was my New Year's resolution to try to build a PC. And I wanted to let you, the viewers and listeners, know I am starting to do that uh, because my computer is not great. And I do <laughs> hope that I can, like, do some more streaming on the Uteni Game Night stuff. Uh, that I can, you know, do crazy things like run Discord and Audacity at the same time. Um, <laughs> things like that. So the processor is bought. I bought a motherboard. I am on my way. So my fellow uh, PC builders, uh, I'm excited to join your ranks. I will still be gaming on my consoles, but but we'll I, I, I'm coming. We'll see how long I'm, I'm that I'm trying lasts. to keep my promise. PC
3: That's Master Race. We'll see how long that lasts. Charles, you're next. <laughs> That's right.
4: But meanwhile, I'm well, spending my money on awesome uh, Star Wars related T-shirts from Etsy. This is I'm gonna show this off. If we're showing things off, this, do it, man. This is uh, my Palpatino's Pizzeria shirt, and <laughs> it says "Home of Unlimited hey, Toppings." And you can see this. you can see Palpatine and his slice of God. ultimate pizza, and I'm I'm quite pleased wow. with it. It was from uh, I think the guy. Whose store I bought it from was Bezelbub Ross, which is a <laughs> combo of of Bezelbub, I guess, and Bob Ross. I don't know, but check his store out. <laughs> I loved this shirt, so
2: that's spectacular. Uh, not sponsored, but just a great not, shirt. Not two sponsored. things, two, two last things from the chat before I give it to you, Charles. We talk about Light of the Jedi for the last time for a little bit at least. Um, Be Nasty O three O three does ask. Speaking of when we switch to YouTube, will you Teeny Game Night also be going to YouTube, or will it stay here on Twitch? Corey, what's the answer to that? I forgot. <laughs> I think it's staying on Twitch. <laughs> I, isn't it?
3: I, I don't know. I don't know if you're pausing for dramatic effect or because you didn't know it the answer. It was both. It was both. <laughs> yes, everything is going to YouTube. We're we're moving everything to YouTube entirely. We have we do have a pretty decent sized channel over there already. Um, we just crossed a thousand a thousand subscribers right uh, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, mm-hmm. so we're gonna move everything to YouTube uh, going forward. So.
2: All right. And Alex does ask on that note as well, asked me to do a live stream of building my PC while discussing Star Wars. Uh, Maybe if I find a way that I can do that on this computer before building the new computer, (laughs) it will computer, computer, and I will computer. (laughs) So we'll see. All right, Charles, enough of this nonsense. Let's talk about Star Wars.
4: All right. Let's do it. So, you know, last week we left off talking about Chancellor So and the Starlight Beacon. And I did have some more questions about it, but y'all just told me that you think it's going to get blown up here uh, <laughs> in in a short fashion, so I think we can actually just kind of move on from those things <laughs> i I do though want to talk about uh, Chancellor so and and her relationship with the Jedi and the republic's relationship with the jedi and The Jedi and the Republic, as we know... It's purely sexual. It is. It is not platonic at all. Uh, (laughs) No. No, but the Jedi and the Republic, they've had a really close relationship since we first saw them together, if you will, in the prequels. Now, I can't get that out of my head, Eric. And, and, you know, the High Republic continues to demonstrate that relationship, but kind of in a new way. And I'm wondering how you view that relationship during the High Republic era, and how do you think it differs from what we've seen before?
2: It's kind of ideal, isn't it? Like, it's it's everything I think the prequel Jedi thought they were doing. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're working together. We got a good working relationship. Like, yeah, we argue. It's kind of like when you know a couple's going to break up. <laughs> and they keep making excuses. They're like, oh, yeah, no, but, like, we, we're we good, you know. Um, but I think the High Republic Jedi actually reference. are, you know. Like, I I think they're actually working very synergistically. They they do things very well. The politicians do things very well. And mm-hmm. they each give each other the space to do that. And I think the arguments that Charles Soule writes into Light of the Jedi between, like, um, was it Senator from Sereno and the Jedi – Are very natural like Mm. they want to give a little get a little give a little get a little but at the end of the day i don't think that soul does the easy trick of making all politicians idiots you know what i mean because star wars does that a little bit doesn't it
3: yeah totally and i was actually going to say that i don't really know what the state of the rest of the galaxy is because like the one thing we've gotten is this sort of like idealistic chancellor so stuff right like Maybe everybody else is a corrupt a hole, and we just don't even realize it. Maybe she's blind to it, right? Maybe we're on um, our way yeah. to maybe we're on our way to the state of the galaxy in the prequels. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really excited to kind of see more of what this is. Like, is this is the Republic? Does it have seeds of corruption? Is it already pretty screwed up? Like, what is what is the state of? I would like. To, I'm excited to kind of learn more about about that. I think because sure. I'm very I'm very interested in how we arrive to what we got in the prequels i'm very interested in that you guys keep hearing me bring that up on the show about like yeah. do you think we're gonna get that are we gonna see the transition like because i want to know what the hell happened it's only 300 years so yeah
2: well and that's the interesting thing too is that galactic time is so vast and like some wookies may have been alive right but like that's like longer than the life cycle of america right now that we have between those for the political system so i'm wondering if like we might have a little bit of peace and goodness for at least a couple years. And maybe that's how the last phase ends. And, and real quick for two seconds, I do want to shout out uh, Maggie actually came into the stream a little late tonight and missed her patron of the week video. Uh, But Maggie, it was great. Watch it back later. We love you. It was wonderful. Your Halloween costume was an all timer. Let me, let me catch
4: you up on the recent stuff. Um, Eric has declared the Jedi and the Republic organizations with benefits and yep. <laughs> yep. what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? <laughs> and, and, and that's about it. Um, Nobody
2: still cares. So that's, uh, that's it.
4: Y'all, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, and we're going to obviously get a lot more about So and a lot more about the Republic and how it gets us to the prequels. But, you know, on page 354, So finds herself talking about the Jedi specifically. <laughs> And we get this quote, she loved the Jedi, but sometimes she wondered if they were too useful. And without knowing exactly what she means by that, one, do you agree? And, and two, mm. what does that mean? What is she trying to say? Is Man, she I foreshadowing what comes Ooh. during the prequel era or what's going on?
3: Yes, I love that. I love that theory because we talked a little bit about last week, like you asked the question, Charles, like... Are, maybe it was the first week. You said, "Are the Jedi too good?" Right? It, yeah, and so true. far in the High Republic, and I have thought about that question a lot while driving down the road. I'm like, "Are the Jedi <laughs> yeah. too good?" Like I've literally thought about this like multiple times in the last <laughs> last week or so. And like, I actually think I want to change my answer to yes. I think they are too good. And like, like we, there's just nothing but righteousness. Even even um even uh who is it? Avar Chris and uh. uh Who's the romantic part? Elzar man. man. Yes, even even Azar Chris and Elzar Man, like, them so openly <laughs> discussing the romantic relationship. It makes me sick, right? It's just like, come on. <laughs> like, you don't have any flaws whatsoever. Like, come on. Like, you know, like, almost to the point that it's annoying, perhaps. So I'm interested okay. to see kind of, like, what, what, what that actually means. What do you think, Eric?
2: Well, because I see the opening, I'm going to bring this back to Loden Great Storm. <laughs> So what I think, <laughs> because what I think is so great about Loden, other than the everything about him, is the fact that when he's teaching Bell, uh, you brought this quote up, I think last week or the week before, Charles, that he taught Bell through a method of if Bell could do something, Loden would make him do it, even if Loden could do it easier, right? Yep. And that's how he mm-hmm. learned. It. That's how he got better. And I think this quote is about the fact that the Jedi can actually do anything, and I think that the Republic may get too used to the Jedi being the safety of, like, if we screw up too much, the Jedi will take care of it. Oh, if we do this, the Jedi will take care of it. And the more you put your faith in the Jedi, the more, one, they can disappoint you, which we've seen countless times, Um, specifically in that Season 7 Clone Wars arc with Ahsoka's walkabout with the, with the sisters, like the Jedi were fighting someone and they crashed through their building, so now they got disillusioned with the whole yeah, order. right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that kind of stuff can happen more often, but also, like, it makes the politicians not have to work as hard because, oh, we'll call the Jedi. Oh, we'll call the Jedi. And I think Mm the Chancellor So is a smart enough character, which is, again, another another way that that Charles Soule subtly writes her with a lot of intelligence and foresight, that she can see that she needs every faction of her government on the top of their game. I need the senators ready. I need the scientists ready. And I need the Jedi ready. And if the Jedi get a little too helpful with everything, everyone else is going to kind of relax at their posts. And because of that, the whole Republic is going to be less effective.
4: I like that. I I like that too. Now, on the heels of that question, and Corey, I need you to really focus for this one. Is the Republic what leads to the downfall of the Jedi? Or are the Jedi what leads to the downfall of the Republic?
3: Oh my god! That is... Such a deep question, Charles. Holy crap. Oh, my God. I don't know the answer to that. Wow. at all. Like, that is way too. I would have, this is, this is another driving down the road question for the next couple of weeks. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Wow. I think maybe, they Maybe I this think should just be go... a future episode. Yes, exactly. It very yeah. well could be a whole episode.
2: I think the answer, Charles, is yes.
4: Okay. Mm. Well, um, I, can, I can give you an easier yeah. question. I think it is something to no, think That's about.
2: a good one. That's a good one.
4: Yeah, I, I will say I will say that I think I will say that I think the
3: I think the Jedi and the Republic right now are kind of separate entities in the High Republic era, right? Like it seems like the Jedi are these heroistic type group that can just do these godlike things, right? And the Republic. Is the body in which they sort of work in, but they're still distinctly separate. Whereas in the prequels, they're almost the same. Like they have to think about what their decisions, how they're going to affect the Senate, and how does the Senate's decision affect the Jedi? Like it doesn't seem like the High Republic Jedi are are doing that as much, right? They seem a little more independent. So, yeah,
2: yeah, and I think there's a there's also a great point off of that, Corey, where at this time in history. The Jedi and the Senate don't have to worry about the Republic crumbling out of war. They can worry about things like external threats and things like helping the people because you're not trying to keep a government together. I think the prequel Jedi and the prequel politicians are all trying just to keep the wheels spinning so they can't focus on actually aiding. And I think in that way, the High Republic writers are writing a more idealized universe. And I think that a lot of this at its core comes from us expecting the good to fall out of the bottom. And I think there's also Mm -hmm. a distinct possibility that maybe they're simply just writing a better world. You know, that they're actually just writing a universe in which we don't have to worry about universal crumbles. So we can worry about things like Mm -hmm. external threats, like, and and things like feeding their people, like, you know, idealized politics. Like when you're not worried about your country falling apart, you can focus on other threats. And I wonder if that's the, the guide they're taking, or if it is all crumbling internally. I think it's also a possibility.
3: Yeah, John Dutch Vander brought up a good point earlier. That I actually want to pop, uh, uh, pop out into this conversation. I'm not sure where I was going with that.
2: <laughs> Got uh,
3: he said, he said, uh, he said that uh, man. This what is in this? Jesus. Uh, he said, he said that uh, they can be weaponized. The Jedi's sort of diehard goodness can be weaponized. So that might be a really clever way to see. Like it's it's kind of like a, a Martian Rose trap that he ha Well, not trap, like prison that he has for. Uh, uh, for Great Storm, right? Like it's mm-hmm. he's he's sort of he's utilizing the Jedi's greatest weakness against them, right? Like yeah. that mm-hmm. they're so good, they right? So maybe that's much. what exactly. Yeah. Maybe that's how we're gonna see the Jedi come to an end in a way, right? Like maybe it's gonna be, yeah. Maybe they're gonna use that against them. It's gonna be some horrible trap that comes back to bite them or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and hey, if we're really going Arthurian, like the Arthurian legend is great because every threat is external until literally the end. Until you get to the point where, like, spoilers for Arthurian mythology, um, where, uh, like, Mordred from inside corrupts because of uh, Morgana Le Fay, who then traps Merlin and blah, 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 blah. But, like, Arthur o- can only be taken down by his own knights. And I wonder if eventually the Order is so powerful that it's going to be one of their own kind of doing something internal. Depending on how close like, they want to stick to that Like mythology. Anakin? Potentially, <laughs> Charles, Yeah. <laughs> all right, so
4: there's this thing called Order 66 that we'll get to next week. Um, <laughs> Ooh, excited. But all oh, right, let's 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 get a palate cleanser in here since we're talking about the all Jedi. <clears throat> I got to know which of the Jedi from this story would you want to be your master and who would you want to be your Padawan? And it's okay if you don't remember everyone's exact rank. You can choose a master as your Padawan, et cetera. I just want to know who they would mm-hmm. be.
2: Okay,
3: um, I have an easy answer. Elzar Man is obvious for me. As your I, master, I love man. Yes, and I okay. want to steal. before uh, freaking Eric steals him. Yes, you as my, bastard. As my master, yes, because Elzar Man, like I, I love how outside the norm he is. Like I, I, I really relate to that a lot. I'm pretty kind of anti the system and like mm-hmm. screw the way that everybody does things. Like I, I'm, I've been, I try to bend the rules a lot. It gets me in trouble a lot with like my job and stuff like that. And <laughs> like I, I just I don't like norms, man. And and I really enjoy how he talks about he talks about how he's been held back and they won't make him a master because they don't like the way he does things. He's always experimenting mm-hmm. and he won't just stick with something. And like, how many hobbies do I have? Like holy crap. Like I would I would I'd be great. I'd love him. Yeah. I love him. He's my favorite character in the books.
2: Yeah. So as much as people might have thought I would have gone um Lord and Greatstorm, I was probably thinking Elzar Man for myself as well, as far as like realistically, who I would want to be a master, Elzar Man. I think he's more flexible. So I'm actually going to go with, um, with something that Trevor put in the chat. And he said, "Sorry, Eric, uh, but I'm going to go with it. Oh, with Porter Angle.
4: Yes, Ooh. I would love to have Porter
2: Angle as my man. That's my choice. Yes, as the well. Blade of Bardotta himself.
4: You know why? Because you're going to eat well. Remember, he's a great yeah. cook. Yeah, and right. He's a cook. You're going to kick ass with a lightsaber. I mean, it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I know that'd be great. Um, uh, Runner-up, I would say uh, Molly, who Seems pretty great. Um, that's more of an Into the Dark conversation. Yeah, but." Uh, but for Padawan, though, I, I will take the, the fast one just because I, f- I think it's written so well, this might be a cop-out. But Bel Zedifar, as, as, as Padawan, he seems awesome. Like, he he learns so well. He's, he's not like a rigid, like, I will follow all the rules Jedi. He's got some emotion to him, but he's always willing to try. He's willing to fail, and he's willing to try again. And I yep. think that as a teacher, you can't ask anymore from a student. You you want someone that is able to know their own limits but understand that if you ask them to push them that you have your reasons. So this also makes me want more Porter and Bell than we even got. Mm-hmm. Um we I know we got we, we did get a little bit of it but their relationship would be very cool. So I I'm going to be trained by Porter Angle and then when I take my Padawan I'm going to train <laughs> Bell
4: Zafar. <laughs> All right. What about you Charles? Who would you choose? My my Ooh. Padawan, yeah, Porter Angle is master 100%. Padawan Buriaga. Because oh, you,
2: were, you were Cheryl. She just right wrote in the chat. Okay. Nice. Yep. <laughs>
4: nice. We're at same wavelength. I, I choose him because he is just like – he's just pure. You know, we got to protect Buriaga. Yeah. And, and so I too. would take him on as my Padawan. And, and I mean, how, since I, as early as I can remember, I've wanted to be friends with a Wookiee because of Han and Chewie. So, right. of course, I'm going to choose Buriaga.
2: Yeah, <laughs> which also shout out to Spice put it earlier. Master Nebosek, um, Briaga's master, who you know she learned Shrewook for her Padawan. I mean, come on, yeah, that's yeah, a great master. Uh, Corey, good. who are you teaching, man?
3: Man, I don't know. I do like Bell a lot. I think he's a. I think he's a good Padawan. Um, I don't know who I would choose. I'm not learning Shrewook. Sorry, Briaga. <laughs> 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 not, not doing, doing that crap. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'll go with Bell. Bell's Bell's pretty good. I, I enjoy how humble he is. Like he, he really—we talked yeah. about him a lot in the last yeah. episode. Like I really, I really do enjoy how how optimistic he is about being a Jedi. So I'm a big fan of him.
4: Okay, dope. Well, I love it. I want to hear what everyone's picks are in the chat. But we've got to move on to something pretty heavy, y'all. That was the palette cleanser, like I said, and now we have to discuss <sighs> okay, okay. the epilogue from this book. All right. Yes. Now, now, basically what it comes down to, the media issue, is that Elzar Man has this terrible force premonition. And there are two quotes that I want to read, and then we can kind of take it from there. The first is page 367, and it's actually from before this premonition. And it says, Marky and Roe reached inside his tunic and pulled out an object of stone and metal, a rod, uh, this is this is gonna, gonna make me laugh. Actually, <laughs> let's, keep, let's keep it. Let's keep it PG, guys. Keep, keep it PG. Keep it together. <laughs> I got
2: this. You got this. It oh, says. It's great oh. scene. <laughs> it's
4: a great scene. Carved and inscribed with symbols, screaming faces, fire, chains. <laughs>
3: <laughs> keep it together, Charles. Keep it together. <laughs>
2: I am the one who gets all the too. slack warnings <laughs> and then on the
4: show. We said we we're going to try to get kicked off of Twitch in our last episode, so here it goes. <laughs> it says it began to grow.
3: <laughs> it doesn't help that he's in a, that they're in a sex dungeon as he pulls this out of his
4: cloak, right? Oh, my God. All right. Long story short, I cannot read this whole quote. He's got this weird weapon, and we don't know what it is. Now we get. Is it a weapon? Is it a weapon? Well, I don't know. Maybe (laughs) that's what I'm choosing to believe. Um, (laughs) It is an ancient object of sexual origin. (laughs)
2: My gosh! All right, Charles. What page was this again? I can take over for you. Three
4: sixty-seven, and let me chuckle in the background while while you go. All right.
2: All right. Dark
4: secrets, rituals only the Sith would know.
2: Mute yourselves, children! All right, here's what it was. All right. Oh my god! Um, oh man! Marquion Rowe reached inside his tunic and pulled out an object of stone and metal—a rod <laughs> three hands long. Car- Mute yourselves, children! Carved and incised with symbols, screaming faces, fire, chains. It looked as if he had been—if it had been melted once and reforged. As his hand touched the object, it began to glow a sickly purple color that somehow overpowered the star-bright lighting of the prison deck. This thing was almost as fully to blame for what happened to his ancestors as the Jedi, but that was an old story, and this was a new time. He could accomplish what they had not.
4: Beautiful. Beautiful. That is perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you because I wasn't going to get (laughs) through that. No, hold I on. Feel like, I, it feels Children. like we are we are in eighth grade
3: health class right now. It, we are.
4: <laughs> but you know, this is like one of those moments where really yeah. you're only laughing because you shouldn't be laughing right now. And like that's what we <laughs> Exactly. It funny. Yeah. Anyways. Alright. Then on page three seventy seven we have the actual premonition that Elzar <clears> Man has <throat> and it says Awful visions flashed before his eyes, things he couldn't understand, cast in a sickly purple light. Jedi, many he knew, friends and colleagues, horribly mutilated, fighting battles that could not win against awful things that lived in the dark. Things that lived in the deep. Evil, horror, sweeping across the galaxy like a tide. He saw a Jedi dying, screaming, and himself, last of all, unable to escape what was coming. So, something wicked this way comes but yeah. what is going on <laughs> yeah
3: i don't know man it's um i don't know what this means like it's like i, I don't i have no idea where the higher public is going to go like i think this is a good point to, a good place to point that out like right. it's yeah. not predictable at all which is awesome all. which is yes
2: i and and like the the fact that like the description of this device row has is like it's clearly going off of some of like oh it's like a sith blank right that that's as star wars fans that's where we go It's some kind of dark side thing, but it's this mysterious thing. Purple instead of red, even that is just, you know, something. Um, But I love the idea that Markian Rowe has held on to this artifact. And I think he, I feel like he's someone that we're going to see as time goes on, because he's going to be in more stuff, you know, like you can't get rid of me that easily. Um, (laughs) I got to get them all out. Um, but I am excited to see what happens with this thing, because, like, do you think it's an old artifact? Do you think that it is, like, an like an ancient Sith light weapon? Like, or does it absorb souls? Like, what, what in the world, you know what I mean?
3: I don't know. I don't know what this thing is. I mean, other than being a sex dungeon object, I mean, I don't know what this thing that. is. Uh, yeah, I mean, is this some kind of Sith ritual force-sensitive thing? What is it? Is it a holocron? I don't know. I really have no idea. It sounds like a... I was thinking of the dagger a lot from the rise of Skywalker.
2: Ooh, sure. sure and like, that makes sense. Like,
3: Ray holds it. And she's like, like, what does she say? She's like, this thing has seen or terrible things have happened with this. Yeah. weapon, Or something like that. Right. Like, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, and the fact that it was like forged with like the, the screams and anguish on it, really, like you were saying, Charles ties into that vision. And I like how that vision was very visceral, but it was also extraordinarily vague because in the, in the broader scheme, Charles Soul has no idea who's going to be writing this part of the story necessarily. Like they're they're all that's in true. on it, mm-hmm. but like I think as a writer, that's a, that's a, honestly a kind thing to do to your create your next creator is like I'm going to write this vision, but I'm not going to write word for word what has to happen in the eighth book or whatever it means. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I know I really <clears throat> I really like that idea. Um, but I want to ask you guys, Charles. I don't know if you have this in your notes already. Mm-hmm. It might be a spoiler if you do. But at the end of the first issue of the High Republic comic, Skier has a horrifying vision where he just screams no repeatedly. And do you, did you guys, one, did you guys read that? And two, do you think it's the same vision?
3: I don't know the answer to that.
4: Yeah, to be honest with you, I've only read issue one. I I haven't gotten to two yet. Um, And so it's really just Skier dropping, you know, to his knees and like Mm -hmm. screaming no. So I, I have no idea what was going on there. But. It would make sense to me that more than one Jedi, especially, you know, now during, like, the pinnacle of the Jedi, mm-hmm. would have these Force premonitions and, and would probably foresee right. something this terrible coming.
2: Yeah. And I think the, pa- the possibility of it being, like, the Nihil, because, like, the fact that this, this book ends with these space pirates now being led by this guy who has this ancient weapon, who knows how to manipulate the Sith. And also saying that that weapon itself was, was as responsible for his ancestor's downfall as the Jedi, which means it's separate from. It also makes me very interested. Like, if it's a Sith artifact and the like, is he against both of them? Is he just like anti the Force? Like that's sure. that's interesting.
3: They should give it a C three PO so we cannot be able to translate it. Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> what is this? I don't know. I mean, I do know, but you know, it's a whole thing.
3: I love that plot line. Just for the record, in regards to The it's Rise of Skywalker, one. I thought it was hilarious.
2: Yeah. Because it's Babu Frick. Come on. How know, can you
4: not? <laughs> All right, y'all. Maki
2: on is ready. Like <laughs> <it's great.
4: laughs> so we may find out in the future. No, we will find out in the future. But it may be a long time before we actually do sure. know exactly what was going on in that epilogue. But for now, we're going to leave that behind. And we are going to move on to our Easter eggs and connective tissue. What's Charles, up? Can, do, you, do you even hear the ambulances anymore? Uh, I tune them out, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I Me and told Eric are just
2: like, what the hell is Rob, happening? I told you there's
4: <laughs> a, there was a massive storm here, and that's probably like the fifth ambulance that's gone by in the past 30 minutes. But yeah. <laughs> oh, she's right. Easter eggs. Anyway, Star Wars. Connected tissue and ambulances. Um, on page 37. We get this quote: oh, yes, According to their teachings, a true Jedi's only contact with fear was supposed to be sensing it in other beings. There's mm-hmm. really no prompt there. I just think that's that's awesome.
3: It is yeah. odd sensing not, other beings. Yeah, so like they're
4: oh, yeah. not S- even supposed aware to of feel it. fear <sighs> on their own. They're they're only supposed to sense it in other people.
3: That is interesting. interesting. Is is that is that different than? Uh, that is opposite of what Yoda taught Luke, no, no, right? Fearless, because she's,
2: no, because fear leads to the dark side. So yeah. if you allow, allow yourself to feel fear, I think it's the, I think it's the mm, beginnings
4: okay. of fear Yoda. Fear leads to, hate, or to anger, anger yeah. leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering, right? Yeah. Mm. Interesting. I like
3: it.
2: I like that. Maybe Yoda's like, ooh, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> on page 48,
4: though, speaking of Yoda, we get the quote, no matter what a person was on the outside, inside everyone was made of light. So that's, that's kind of a reference to luminous beings, are we, right, from yeah, episode definitely. five. Now, yep, luminous
3: great. beings, clever.
4: On page 49, we get the Jedi ships, the vectors requiring a lightsaber key. And I know we talked about that a little bit, but I, I'm wondering, is the saber itself like the actual energy source for like the, the bolts, like the <clears throat> blaster bolt that gets fired from the ship? Like similar to the Death Star laser, or does it yeah. simply like unlock an innate weapon system?
2: I think it's it is the I think it is the the source because Loden's gun fires gold, mm. and others fire. Mm. I think it's whatever color your crystal is. That seems to be the color of the bolt. Which also, if this ever goes to visual media in, like a cartoon or a movie, if we can have a bunch of different Jedi ships firing different lightsaber colored bolts in space. I'm gonna cry out of pure ecstasy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that's what it is.
4: Okay, that's
3: interesting. I was like, I was actually gonna say the opposite. That I thought it was just a key. Like it was more of a philosophical, like ethical mm. conundrum rather than a like a literal power source. I mean...
2: Spice Den in the chat saving us as always. He says, I think it's part of it because Teami mentioned her hilt getting hot. Oh, that's true. That is that's so a good it point. Being, actually, accessed in someone. Yeah. Spice Den, you're gonna, you're great. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Also, Stephanie Mac, I wanted to say she said something about that fear quote, Charles, that you said. Yeah. She says it sounds like a recipe for disaster because how can you deal with something you don't know? That's Which a good is point. A, I think that, that's the fall of the Jedi, isn't it?
3: Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. You can just sum it up it. Anakin. Anakin in a in a in a question.
4: <laughs> a, nice. Great. Now on page sixty, we get Loden talking to Bell about how he wasn't able to, you know, use the Force to cushion his falls from from. You know, great heights like we saw throughout the book. And he says, that wasn't much of a fall, really. You barely had time to think before the, gr- uh, before the ground came calling. I get it, Belle. This is my fault. But don't worry. I can fix it. When we're back on Coruscant, I'll throw you off the tallest super towers we can find. <laughs> Maybe you just need more time to commune with the Force. Some of those towers are thousands of stories tall. You could be falling for minutes. Plenty of time. And all that just tells me one thing. And I think you and all the listeners know what that is. Mace Windu lives.
3: <laughs> oh my oh God! Get the, my get the hell God. out! I know.
4: I will never let uh, this yeah. go. you're. I just uh, want I...
3: Samuel L. Jackson to be in Star Wars again. That's all. We're I want. No,
4: throwing that's, Padawans that's good, that don't know how to cushion themselves from a fall out of the tallest super towers on wow. Coruscant, and Mace Windu dies. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yep, you're Somehow, right. I can't argue. I Mace can't Windu argue has returned. returned. <laughs> One day. All right. One day. Now. When we first met Avar Chris and we were dealing with what we thought was, you know, the entire great disaster, even though we f- didn't fully understand it, <clears throat> you'll remember that there was basically a canister of highly flammable gas. I can't remember exactly what they called it. That was headed towards the sun, right? And Avar Chris mm-hmm. was trying to like... It was coaxium, wasn't it? Was it coaxium?
2: I think it was coaxium. I thought
3: it, I thought it was Tabana. Was or it Tabana gas?
2: Tabana.
4: Something it's like one that. one of them. Not, one of one of the gases in Star Wars yeah. that we know of has a name that blows up. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those. Yeah. I not, it was Tavon, not important I'm to sure, the actual though. question, but the point is all right, all right. that I just wanted to show off. Avar Chris <laughs> senses that there's something wrong. She hasn't picked up on this this uh, capsule basically yet, and she describes it as a missing note in the song of the Force. And to me, that was very reminiscent of the Yuzon Vong. In uh, the New Jedi Order, because they had no connection to the Force, and therefore they were actually sensed as like an absence of the Force mm-hmm. itself. Oh, yeah, that's right. So right. they were kind of like a missing note in the song of the Force. So I thought that yeah, was kind great. of a cool, maybe not intentional callback. Yeah, I, I, I will
3: say, I will say that like you could have. You could have held a gun to my head, and I could have never come up with the genius that is that the force is like music. That was such yeah. an absolute Amazing. genius yeah. idea, Charles Soul. Like that's maybe the coolest idea of the force that I've ever heard. Like it was so good, yeah. and I hope we continue to see that that happen. And like I love that, like because that's but what a what a beautiful way to put it. Like to be able to sense an absence in the force is one thing, but to like listen to a song and be like. I don't know what it is, but something is there's a note missing or something from this this beat. Like it just yeah. sounds weird. Like that's so understandable. I love that. It's yeah. So good. What well,
2: I wonder if every writer cause like you know, then Elzar is the ocean, Buryaga is the forest. I wonder if every writer now that goes in the higher public is gonna be like, here's my Jedi, and their editors go, Cool, how do they view the forest? And they go,
1: God,
4: D- Charles Soul,
2: dang it! Like, yeah.
4: <laughs> but it works. all exactly. have to have it different. It works specifically well with the song because you take Buryaga and yeah. it's like, it seems like Absolutely. a tree with a leaf missing. We'd be like, uh, okay. Uh. <laughs> cool,
3: bro. It's like a tree with a leaf missing.
4: <laughs> all right. On page 90, uh, we get Tayami, who, by the way, was a Duros Jedi, and that. Did a lot for me. I'll just say that. Absolutely. Thought it might. (laughs) Tayami mentions that she once saw a rodeo on the planet Chandar's Folly. And comic readers may remember that place, Chandar's Folly, from the Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith issue number 18. Because that's actually the same planet where Tarkin and a band of Imperials were hunting Darth Vader. Wow. Apparently, how do you find these apparently freaking they hunt <laughs> Easter eggs, Charles? They hunt Good Darth God. Vader and have rodeos on this planet. That's the yep. two things they're known for.
2: <laughs> and what I love is that Charles, so Charles Soule wrote that comic. And my favorite freaking thing that Star Wars writers do is reference their own stuff that they've yeah. written previously. Because what a flex. Wouldn't you? Like, we talked yes, talk to Alexander Freed about this in, in the interview when we talked to him last year. He was like, yeah, whenever I want a character, I just pull something I've written because I already know how it works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's, oh, I love that.
4: All right. It's great. On page 107, we get this quote. She had a system full of Jedi working alongside her. They each had their own connection to the Force, perhaps different from hers, but no less powerful. And I felt like that was kind of reinforcing the idea from the Rise of Kylo Ren uh, comic series, that door analogy. That we got right Mm -hmm. about, you know, everyone has access to the force as a matter of how much that door has been opened, essentially, because we get this whole system of Jedi. They're all different, but no one is truly any more powerful than the other.
2: Yeah, well, because that's especially I don't know if I'm spoiling a future Easter egg on that, but how Bell describes Loden is mm-hmm. how he feels all the fire inside him. And he's like, it's at the edges and it's now a raging inferno, but he's not opening that door yet, which makes things like if like Porter angle, I feel like when we see him become the blade, he has so much pressure behind that door. When he cracks it, it all shoots out so intensely that he just slaughters everyone immediately and then closes it back up again. Like these visualizations of the forest and cannon man are freaking unparalleled.
4: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Love him. Uh, Now, just a couple of pages later, on page 109, we get this quote. Not only that, but she sensed that other Jedi had brought their focus to bear as well, from Coruscant, from across the galaxy, even Yoda, wherever he was with his little crew of younglings, his great wise mind sang its own part of the chorus, heartbreakingly beautiful, a voice of pure light belying his physical appearance, not this crude matter indeed. So the second reference mm. to Luminous Beings Are We, that's the second half of that phrase, Luminous Beings Are We not this crude matter. And she also kinda called Yoda ugly and that's messed up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she did, but she also very smartly plugged the Higher Public Adventures comic book series from IDW because that's what he's doing with Younglings. So she's yeah. she's a market person. She's that's a right. company employee within I, the book. <laughs>
3: I love, I love, I loved all the references to Yoda. That the whole everything that happens on Dagobah is my favorite stuff in all of Star Wars. I've said that before. Oh, on yeah. the Show right, like man. I, I love Yoda on Dagobah. The music, the, his the descriptions of the Force to Luke, it's absolutely phenomenal. It, it'll put me in a in a true Star Wars mood to watch watch those scenes and stuff. And like all the references to Yoda, I can't wait. I mean, they're obviously going to do some big stuff with Yoda in this series. So oh
2: yeah.
3: I can't wait to see what else is coming. Yeah. When
2: I think it's smart. It's kind of like what, the, what we like to do with the Mandalorian. Re- Sorry, as I refill my Lacroix. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like what they did with the Mandalorian, which is where they give us all original characters for the first season. And then once they had established themselves, then they started bringing in Boba Fett and Bo-Katan yep. and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Yoda's going to be. We're going to get all these Jedi firmly entrenched in their own stories. And then we can bring in Yoda... And, you know, the real MVP, Yariel Poof, a little more <laughs> uh, to really take take we'll, over the show. We'll talk
4: more about both of them in a little while. we got some <laughs> Easter eggs related Sweet. to them. Uh, page 110, I wanted to just point this fact out. In saving the planet Hetzel, and really the Hetzel system, the Jedi also saved Bacta, by the way. Because Bacta is first oh, being yeah, farmed right. here in the Hetzel system. So without right. that huge effort, including Yoda, uh, Luke would have... A vat of nothing to float in, in episode five. This is also this is also a
3: little bit of an Easter egg related to the Knights of the Old Republic games because. Um, those games, I forget how the timeline of that, but it's, it's like, it's a lot further back than this. I think, right? 800 years. Yeah. 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 Older is way longer. Isn't it 800? I think the, I think KOTOR is 800 years before the movies and the films, but anyway,
2: you're literally building the timeline, bro. I don't freaking know. (laughs) I I know. I know.
3: I, I can't remember how far (laughs) back it is, but, um, but there isn't back to, in uh, or maybe three? No, there's not back to in in the KOTOR games. There's a uh, Colto. Colto on, yeah. Yes, on the yeah. Man, on on Manan is the planet I think. Yep. So I thought that was a really cool tie-in that they made back to relatively new in the Star Wars universe, and that's canon now. That's pretty cool. Yep.
4: That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on page one twenty-four, we see the Chancellor's pet lions. Okay, and and they're called Targans, and their names are Madurai and Voru. And Targan was also the last name of a member of Wraith Squadron in the X Wing series. It was Wraith 11 LSR Targan. So now. No way! Yeah. So well, now there's that, that a species is, as well. What I also
2: believe uh, they said stretch. in one of the behind the scenes things that Daniel Jose Older got to name that species.
4: Well, so cool. I, my assumption there. is that. My <laughs> assumption is they didn't know <laughs> this, this name had also been maybe. used before. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, but something that has been referenced before, we see Chancellor So uh, going to visit the peak of the mountain on Coruscant. Y'all recall this scene? Oh, that was cool. And, that was an awesome scene. Yeah. Yeah. And it uh, it's the highest peak of the uh, Manurai Mountains, and it's the only original piece of landscape left on Coruscant that's still visible because everything else, the city has been built right over it. And, Funnily enough, we've actually seen this mountain peak on the screen before. We saw this in the Clone Wars twice, actually. Once in the Duchess of Mandalore episode from season two and once in Pursuit of Peace in season three. I don't think that they ever actually, you know, showed that they're visiting it or talk about the fact. Yeah, if you Google like screenshots of this, you, you actually can see it in the TV series, which is amazing.
2: That's
3: so I am cool.
4: Absolutely going to do that. Yeah. Oh,
2: and Cheryl brings it up in the chat. Also, in heir to the empire and legends, they yes. mention
4: it as well. Yes, they do. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, that's that's
3: crazy. I did not know that was in the that was in the TV shows at all. Man, what a what a what a stretch,
4: that's, man. It's cool. like they know what they're doing. I also doing. really
2: love. I know, right? Just a little <laughs> bit. I also love that scene, just philosophically, and how she like, how that mountain stands for both things, right? Like how you can never completely cover nature but also nothing is so big that it can't be covered up yeah and i'm like ooh, i like it so well written
4: definitely now a few minutes ago eric you had mentioned yariel poof and we actually get two jedi masters that we know Absolutely. from the prequels in this book other than yoda and that was yariel poof and then Oppo rancisis And we know that Poof dies on a mission just prior to the Clone Wars, and he got replaced on the council by Coleman Trevor. Uh, But Master Rancisis actually survived Order 66, as confirmed by a list of survivors compiled by the Inquisitorius in the Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith issue number 19. So he is out there doing something, we don't know what, (laughs) with his creepy long fingers. Of
2: all the Jedi Masters to survive the High Republic... The prequel era. Order
4: 66. It's freaking Beard Man. It's him. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Some other callbacks to the prequels. On page 126, we met Senator Izzet Noor of Soreno, and that is Count Dooku's planet. And naturally, right. it was his yep. aide, Jenny Wataro, who is a secret spy for the Nile. And it's unclear if... Uh, Senator Noor was involved in that, but perhaps that's kind of carrying on the the link between Soreno and corruption.
3: Interesting. Totally. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that.
4: Um, page 130, so is talking about the Starlight Beacon, and y'all bear with me with this pronunciation, but we get this quote, we will be there with them helping from Bundakai to Bastion, and the first time... <laughs> I, I read those names. I actually said Bunduki, and, now, and then I laughed for about five minutes, and now I'm, I'm <laughs> choosing to say Bundekai. I have no idea if that's right. But anyways, Bundekai <laughs> in Legends was actually home to the followers of Palawa who invented the martial art form of Teres Kasi, the fighting style that Kiri uses in Whoa! Solo Star Wars 3 and from the, the old hell? video game Masters of Teres Kasi. And Bastion... Uh, also from Legends, was a planet originally named Sartananian. I see why they changed it. And it served as the (laughs) capital world of the Imperial Remnant, where the Council of Moths was headquartered. And it first appeared in Specter of the Past, but was later in A New Jedi Order and Legacy of the Force. So that was like a seven-word sentence, and it had so much packed into it. That is
2: crazy.
3: Wow. Star Wars is
2: so
4: huge, I swear. Oh my
2: god. You're all a bunch of nerds. <laughs> You're all a bunch of nerds. <laughs> That's awesome. That's wow.
4: incredible. Yeah. Wild. Um uh, now Bell named his vector, or the one that he flies with Lone Great He named it Nova. And that felt like an intentional callback to Will Lark and his ship in Alphabet Squadron. Um uh, so you know, come see you, Will Lark oh, die yeah. in Victory's Prize coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Eric. <laughs> we'll
2: see. We'll see.
4: On page 130, we get this quote. Chancellor So tapped her index finger on the map, and a single glowing star-like dot appeared, more or less in the center of the region, interdicted by the ongoing hyperspace disaster. And now, this is probably a stretch also, but the word interdicted really jumped out to me, and that's because... Remember, interdictor cruisers are imperial ships equipped with gravity wells, capable of pulling other ships out of hyperspace. And we're talking about the Great Disaster, which effectively pulled all ships out of hyperspace. So, oh dang, that's true, sure, yes. I, I, I mean, how that's often clever. do you use the word interdicted? Honestly, <coughs> rarely, frankly. Very yeah, exactly. rarely. I'll
2: be honest. Uh And re- real quick, I, w- I just want to interject here. And just to clarify, folks know we get books early. We have not read the last Alphabet Squadron book yet. So we did not just spoil it. Just <laughs> I'm, so glad like, I'm
3: glad you pointed that out because I was going to say yeah, like no, that too. I haven't read Charles, it either. I Charles have no did, idea. Yeah. We,
2: we, no, yeah. Have not had time to read it yet. So just, <laughs> to, be, to be crystalline clear, that is a theory we proposed months ago. We have not read the book yet. That is yet. a theory. <laughs> Stay tuned for our roundtable in like two months. That
4: is a theory from the first time that I read Will Lark's name because he was too pure. Too pure to survive a full war. I
2: just want to make too to be too big sure our listeners don't feel spoiled. We yes. have not read it yet.
4: Uh anyway, great poll. Now on page one hundred forty three, Lorna D, who is the Twilek uh Nile Tempest Runner, she wears armored leather made from the hide of a Kel Dragon. And Kel Dragons were actually originally created for the nineteen ninety-five video game Star Wars Dark Forces. So yeah,
2: getting a lot of mileage out of that game lately.
4: I know (laughs) in Star Wars. That is true. Uh, On page 149 at the Nile feast, we get this quote. He spread his arms, taking them all in while gesturing simultaneously at the feast tables and fountains filled with various intoxicants and death sticks and piles of up powder and down fire. Now, I'm going to assume those are the new Star Wars equivalents to, like, cocaine and meth. But I was reading that sentence, <laughs> exactly and they, they said death sticks. And I was like, oh, that's cute. That's a nice reference. And then I got to up powder and down fire, and I was like, that escalated quickly.
3: <laughs> there were a lot of Star Wars drugs in this story. There that's were. all I have to say. Oh,
4: yeah. Ride the storm. Bad guys, Ride you know? the storm. Uh, on page 150... We get this quote Markian Rowe pulled off his mask, reaching up and running a hand through his long, dark hair, untangling it. And that's, that's totally like the Kylo Ren moment from The Force Awakens, but like with a shark man instead. <laughs>
2: totally. <laughs> Love that. On
4: page 166, B. Blythe is hugging a stuffed Varactyl, and that's the creature that Obi Wan rides in pursuit of Grievous in Revenge of the Sith, and also was featured in Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray.
2: That's right.
4: On page 168, Otto Blythe is trying to reach help while his family is being attacked by the Nile. And we get this quote, Ogden's Hope maintained a small communal security force. All the claims paid into its budget every year. And that felt very much to me like Danner's claim in the settler's call from, uh, from Kenobi oh, yeah. by John Jackson Kenobi, Miller. All of the totally. claims pay into this security network. Yeah, so that was really cool to see. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, All right, on page 175, this is getting back to when Avar, Chris, and Elzar Mann are on Naboo and they're visiting the Santecas. And it very much seems to me that they're standing literally directly where Anakin and Padme get married. Did y'all get that sense as well? I totally got that. That is interesting. I think they were.
2: Yeah. I think they yeah I feel like I saw something online about like the name of the islands or whatever like it's it's the same area.
4: So that's a, it's interesting you say that because uh, on the same exact page we get a mention of someone named Omar Barranco, and he was a poet on Naboo apparently is what this story says and in Legends he was actually mentioned two times once in Darth Plagueis and once in supernatural encounters the trial and transformation of our whole which was actually listen to this a, oh that classic a canceled novella written by joe Bongiorno for the official star wars fan club and that sounds fake but it's totally yeah. not and i bet trevor has that on his bookshelf
3: <laughs>
2: that is amazing holy crap wow yeah that's the deepest pull we've ever had
4: that one concerns wow. me a little bit. I'm not going to lie.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would think so.
4: Oh, man. On page 186, wow. Mark, uh, here's a quote for you. Mark Enroe peered at Uh, Mari, who laid in a sealed oblong pod with a clear front panel. Wires ran from it to power sources in the deck, and large tanks of various medical chemicals bubbled nearby, (laughs) their contents dripping into tubes, running into the pod. The machine was essentially one large medical capsule designed to keep Mari as healthy and comfortable as could be managed for a human who had been alive for well over a century. And the fact that this type of medicine was capable in High Republic times, I feel like makes Palpatine's omen harness a little bit more feasible from The Rise of Skywalker, a little bit less random. (laughs) Sure, sure. I get behind that. On page 189, speaking of uh, Mari Santeca, it says uh, she found a new path between Pasana and Erber that should reduce travel time by a third or maybe more. And so we see Pasana is actually somewhat of a known planet before Mm -hmm. The Rise of Skywalker.
3: That's clever. I like that. Neat.
4: Page 198, about Porter Angle, we have this quote. uh, Outwardly, the Ikruki was calm, but Bell sensed roiling energy in the man. Porter Angle, the kindly cook, inventor of ingenious dishes and dispenser of useful aphorisms, was being set aside. What was appearing in his place felt like a dormant volcano beginning to wake, simmering and ready, filled with unimaginable power. The ancient Jedi was summoning up a ghost, one of his former lives, a version of himself the Padawans told stories about. Someone the sort of people who attack defenseless settler families should pray they never met. And there's no connective tissue there. That's just awesome. And I wanted to read that quote. (laughs) That's it. It is.
2: But like Porter Porter Angle does not do a lot in this book frankly. Yeah. But the description that Soul gives it like Soul loves this character. You oh can tell God, he's like yes. he's like begging anyone. He's like do something with this dude. I have I made know. him epic and incredible in every sentence that he has. I want a
3: um, I want a I want a short story collection written by Charles uh by by uh, George Mann
4: of High Republic Ooh, of all, Jedi. Of-
3: uh, or I was just gonna say something like 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 a like an old tale sort of story, like like the tales of of uh, Porter Engel, oh like, yeah, something like that, like, it was just like, that it's, it, cool. it's just it's like the his travels exactly, his travels yeah. along the road like he has some sort of there's some overarching mission that he has to go on and he keeps encountering these bizarre tales like Greek mythology almost on the road oh. that he's traveling that'd be incredible. I can
2: see the cover of it like the blade of Bardata, and it's like. All right, George. Come on, buddy. <laughs> yep, you got that's it. That's the next pitch.
4: Well, and you mentioned Porter Angle's nickname, the Blade of Bardada. And we know, actually, Bardada from the Clone Wars era. And that's when we saw it ruled by Queen Julia, Jar Jar's maybe kind of ex-girlfriend. Do you all remember oh that? Oh, my God. That was Bardata.
2: Wow. That was Bardada? Yeah.
4: So, you know. Jar Jar and Porter Angle linked. Hey, officially. <laughs> that's it. Uh, on page 208, we get Buriaga at that awkward legacy run survivors party. And we get this quote, (laughs) his master knew how much he hated gatherings like this. None of these people would be able to understand him. And then later it, it, it has this quote. It was Joss Arden and his wife Pika both had drinks in their hands and seemed utterly relaxed. He didn't know how they did it. Maybe it was the drinks. And then finally, later, we get, (laughs) he felt hot and wanted to start panting, but knew some people saw that as a threatening move. Um, And actually, finally, then later, we get, he decided to take the opportunity to escape and headed for the refreshment table. So it is now confirmed that Buriaga is all of us at one point in our lives at a social (laughs) event that we did not want (laughs) to be at. We sweated, we panted, we escaped to the refreshment table.
3: Absolutely.
2: Perfect. Cheese and crackers. Give me that.
4: (laughs) Yep. All right. Page 224, we get this quote. Cassiv had three storms up at the top of his Tempest hierarchy, Graven, Delix, and Wetbub. And the 2021 Yutini for most disgusting name goes to Wetbub, (laughs) especially because (laughs) he's a Gungan who got that name because he always returned from battles inexplicably covered in blood.
3: Ew. what does that mean, bro? Does he, like, cut people open and, like, pour their blood yeah, over
2: his
4: head? Like, what the hell?
2: He's, like, the villainous version of Porter Angle. Not a lot to do, but Soul clearly loves him. Did y'all,
4: like, did y'all see the, the stuff going around Twitter, the concept art for Wetbub? Yep. Yeah.
2: It, it, was the, uh, it was, like, a dark Jar Jar fan thing, and they're like, this could be Wetbub. And I'm like, <gasps>
4: It looked like awesome. it looked like Jar Jar Binks and like that main orc from the end of Fellowship of the Rings. <laughs> it looked like a mashup between oh, them. You mean the Urukai? Oh, sorry, it was Urukai. Whatever. Lertz?
2: You mean Lertz the Urukai Lertz, who fought yeah. Aragorn?
4: That's him. That's the one. That's the All one. Right. All right. I agree. Um, page two thirty six. <laughs> the Santec is uh, apparently sent a dozen of their navulators, which sounds like a not real job. And there were people who wore (laughs) implants that wrapped around their shaven heads that allowed them to run circulations with droid-like precision. Uh, Lobots? I think they just sent Lobots.
2: Hundo P. That was the vibe that I got,
4: too. I definitely
2: thought about that. Yep. Easily. Lobots.
4: On page 241, Senator Knorr, who we talked about earlier from Sereno, he says every politician could use a Shagrian aid from his mouth to Palpatine's ears. That's right. Right.
2: Also, uh, calling you out here, Charles, uh, Maggie makes a great point. Uh, Navulator sounds like not a real job. Yeah, unlike Space Wizard, (laughs) which is both totally normal and real.
4: That's true. Space Wizards are real, and you can't tell me differently. Uh, (laughs) Page 257, Loden um, uses his lightsaber to operate the shoulder cannon from the Jedi Vanguard. And, Eric, you referenced this already, but... Uh, you know, that's a callback to Jocasta New using that lightsaber rifle in Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, issue number nine, if you're looking for that. Mm-hmm. Issue number nine. God, it's so cool. Yeah. And, you know, based on that Easter egg, it seems like a good time to talk about the fact that a similar lightsaber rifle was actually discovered by Luke Skywalker, Ben Solo, and Lor Santeca in the actual Jedi outpost on Elfrona that Bell, Loden, Indira, and Porter lived in. And holy crap is that real that's wow, from the comics that's right and not to mention that's from rise of Kylo Ren. not to mention it was actually where luke fought the knights of ren and not to mention it was where ben solo later fought hennix ty and voe as seen in the rise of Kylo Ren comic so oh my god yeah yo so you mentioned earlier soul is doing a lot of callbacks to things he's written before yeah you can say that again
3: yeah yeah
4: wow <laughs> So that's really cool. Now, going back, I'd really oh love to reread that comic. I did, I did go pull it out to, to see. You can see the entrance to, uh, to you know the temple, or their outpost, rather, where they hang out in right. those panels. And it was nice to kind of have a, a mental image of that while reading Light that's of the Jedi. so cool. So page 263, Pika mentions that she and her husband, Joss, were supposed to take a vacation to Amphar. And that's a tropical planet known as a tourist destination for its beaches. And it was actually first mentioned in Shield of Lies, book two of the Black Fleet Crisis series. Uh, But I do think that that is the first appearance that we've gotten of that in canon. So more great Legends callbacks. Not going to fight you on that one. You know, going back to Buriaga, you'll have to excuse me. that This is kind of stream of consciousness. How come he can't get a translator? Just like the Aethorian Jedi. I listen,
3: I think I think that I think that about every Wookiee in Star Wars, and I think it's just Wait. Star Wars that does this for some reason. Because yeah. there are there are occasional Wookiees that do that that wear like translators and stuff. Well, right? but and there was literally well, an that Buryak, Buryak Jedi
4: who had one because no one could understand him. Meanwhile, Beriauk <laughs> is just like, what, what am I? <laughs> blah, blah, blah,
3: blah. It's like,
4: I'm sorry, I don't understand <laughs> you. <laughs> Yeah, nah,
2: maybe when he's, because he's only a no, Everybody
3: listen to me. There's a bunch of people on the ship. Uh, What the hell is he saying? Somebody translate for us, like, literally.
2: Uh, We'll see. When we get Grand Jedi Master Buriaga, like, six six years down the road, we'll see if they give him a translator.
4: Poor Buriaga. All right, on page 300, (laughs) on page 300, uh, we get this quote. Why are we talking about history, said Efru Shin, the newest member of the council, Amon Kalamari, elected by Yoda to hold his seat while the great master was on his sabbatical from council business. Now, here's the thing. Star Wars authors like to just say stuff like this casually but I'm sorry hold on a second okay you can have someone save your seat on the Jedi Council what? is this an elementary school cafeteria this isn't musical chairs this is the Jedi don't, Council don't, anybody,
3: Ace, don't don't anybody steal my seat and also not to mention that this asshole comes in and is like why are we talking about history it's like bro you don't even belong here this is Yoda's seat shut the hell up like
2: also can, wait I think Guys, we are skipping over the fact that there's a Mon Calamari in a Yoda-sized seat.
4: Very true.
2: (laughs) They're not going to build a whole new one, right? I mean, mean, maybe they do.
3: Is there, like, seat builders? Is there Jedi Councils? seat builders at the they all have different seats there's like, gotta be
2: no that is hundred percent what padawans do like this will help you learn patience and resource It's like and their wood shop chairs. they're just
4: building chairs for various <laughs> other stuff.
2: Sh- <laughs> no i would say if, if, if you are leaving oh the council God. on sabbatical then whoever you pick has to sit in your exact chair no matter the species <laughs> you gotta sit in that it's like you gotta go to the kids table and sit in yoda's little chair <laughs>
4: well, all, can we also oh point God. out that Yoda has chosen to take a sabbatical during maybe the most crucial struggle against a new enemy in like history? Astonishing so,
2: choice, astonishing choice from our guy.
4: Maybe Yoda. that's What's he
3: doing? Is he is he bored? Like was his Jedi Council not no. high enough, uh, not exciting enough for him? Like what the hell is you taking sabbatical Dude, for? He's
2: all about the younglings, man. Yeah, he's, he's, we'll find out in the High Republic Adventures from IDW Comics, released weekly, written by Daniel Jose Older, available now.
4: I assume that's how you live to be nine hundred years old. You just leave anytime there's anything crazy
1: going
3: on. I'm old. Dude. I'm leaving. Here, yeah, fish, secret, take my seat. Age.
2: Yeah, <laughs> vacations. Take vacations. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Ridiculous. All right, Yoda. I expect more from you moving forward. Um, on page 324, we get Jora Malley, and we're going to talk a lot about her When we get to our Into the Dark round table. But we learned that she actually purged a Sith Kyber crystal and now has a white lightsaber blade, just like Ahsoka, but a long time beforehand. So it's cool.
2: Yeah. love uh, Any crystal lore, give it to me.
4: Absolutely. Now, page 334, after breaking his leg, we get this quote about Loden. Loden brought the pain management exercises he knew to mind. And while he realized on some level that he was in agony, he was able to bottle it up and put it aside the trick wouldn't last forever. You couldn't fool the body indefinitely, but hopefully it would see him through whatever came next. And so there's, there's your callback to Anakin and his femurs getting knitted in Queen's shadow by <laughs> e. Johnson and also of uh Qui-Gon because, you know, we learned um, that, you know, he might've been using some of those abilities after he'd been stabbed. I believe we talked about right. to, to be able to talk to Obi-Wan after his battle with Darth right. Maul. Um, after breaking his leg, by the way, Loden uses a stem to help him through. So it's not just the force. He's also doing them drugs, them adrenal doing drugs. The right? drugs
3: <laughs> them adrenal
4: drugs. Uh, uh, any chance I get to reference that, I will. Uh, <laughs> on page 344, we get this quote. Crenara had seen a reek hunt once on Yalysia, and the reek, of uh, course. Seen a what? Uh, The Reek Hunt. Oh, oh God. Okay. (laughs) We really
0: are going to get kicked off Twitch, y'all. Jesus.
4: All right. The Reek. God. The Hunt Uh. of the Reeks, as we're talking about, is the rhino-like creature (laughs) from the Geonosian arena in Attack of the Clones. But Yalysia was the thing that really caught my eye because that's the planet from Paradise Snare, book one of the Han Solo trilogy (laughs) by A.C. Crispin. Yeah. I okay.
2: love I, I I like ran out into the kitchen. I was like, Charlie! Yes. Silesia.
4: Exactly. Uh,
2: I, have love a, that
3: I have a I have a random Easter egg that occurred to me um that I think you've already passed, so I'm gonna throw it out yeah, yeah. if you already have it on your list, you have to let me know. Um uh Kasaf holds hostage Ariadu is the planet that he holds hostage, right? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Ariadu, uh, he describes them, he finds out that they're like a, a planet full of a bunch of warriors. That's the planet that Grand Moff Tarkin is from. And his entire backstory yep. uh, is all outlined in the Tarkin book about how how crazy the culture on Ariadu is. It makes you do these like rite of passages to become a man type of thing. It's like crazy survival shit. So it's like, what an excellent, excellent planet to do a bad job of holding hostage.
4: Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, Corey, who, who wrote that Tarkin book? Again, who's that author?
4: is uh
3: james lucino excellent <laughs> ah, yes. excellent author great.
4: yeah no i actually don't think i had that on my list but absolutely you're right and uh it, it's very fitting that they kind of played a hand in the destruction of kasov and his tempest as well so on page 369 we learn that the architect paolo hedala is responsible for designing oh, yeah. the jedi this temple in starlight beacon so that's Got to be a Tuckerism, right, for Pablo Hidalgo. Oh, yeah. Oh, my 100%. God.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Speaking
4: of, um, actually, there is a Tuckerism in uh, the Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith comic series when the Jedi Selrach Elus, which is Charles' soul backwards, is also one of the confirmed surviving Jedi after wow. Order 66. Oh, my God. So I'd do it. I would do it too. I would too. <laughs> I would do it too. And Amazing. you know what's funny is as a kid, you know, you do stupid stuff where you like look at your name spelled backwards and stuff. And so I saw Cellratch and I was like, that's Charles backwards. Because I that cause that's <laughs> my name too. And then I was like, wait a minute. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Now to round this out, I I want to close with one of the most beautiful passages, I think, from the entire book. And it's one that marks Sweet. the close of this particular book, but also really it's a perfect launch to this whole era of Star Wars. And so it's on page 372, and it says, Across the atrium, against the stars, lightsabers ignited. Hundreds, in all the colors of the Jedi Order, a salute held high. In space outside the station, anyone who looked would see a surging glow rush from the beautiful open space at its heart, pushing back the darkness. The light of the Jedi. I, I mean there's no better way to, to end the roundtable than that. The Light of the Jedi, the yes. title yeah. of the book, in essence, was <clears throat> a reference to this beautiful tribute at the end of the yeah. book in the yeah. launch of Starlight Beacon.
3: Yeah, for sure. That yep. that that scene in the audiobook was incredible. I meant to clip it out. I forgot about it until you you literally read it just now. But like that scene in the audiobook had this really epic music playing. Like I recommend you go and listen to it. It's incredible.
4: Beautiful. Absolutely. All right, yo, that's all I have. Uh, You'll have to throw out in the chat or in the YouTube comments later on any big Easter eggs that I might have missed. But now I think we have to go back around and we have to re-rate this book and give any closing thoughts that we have. So, Eric, let's go to you first. I think you rated the book first the first time around. So what would you give it now? I did.
2: This book absolutely remains a 10 out of 10 for me. It is... um It's, it's, I think it's still my, it's my favorite Star Wars book. I think it did it, talking about it. Everything we talked about during these three episodes, I loved. Every character, every part, and I got so excited every time to come on this show. Not only to talk to you guys, which I love, but to talk about this book specifically. And I've never had an experience quite like it. I am so happy this started the era. I can't wait for Rising Storm, um, to kind of carry this story with Cavan later in the summer. Uh, And that is, uh... Yeah, it remains a perfect
4: ten. Well done. Fantastic. All right, Corey, what do you think?
3: I'm also going to keep this book as a perfect ten for me. Like I have a, I think the only books I've ever given tens are this one, uh, Master and Apprentice. Actually, I don't think I gave Master and Apprentice a perfect ten, but it would it would have been very close. And then in the in the most recent Thrawn book, Chaos Chaos Rising, and that what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Thrawn of Cindy, Chaos Rising. I gave that one a perfect ten too. And like these books are all in my top five. Like. Uh, for sure. I absolutely love this book. I thought that Charles so hit all the criteria in which we review books, right? Originality, writing, entertainment, plot, and characters. Characters. Yes, he absolutely like he had ten out of ten in all all of those five categories. And let's like I say, if if you hit a perfect score in all categories, that makes it by definition a perfect ten. So, um, I really really enjoyed this book. I thought that like it's no wonder that everybody's just thirsting for more of The High Republic after a kickoff like this because it's absolutely an incredible, incredible novel. And the highest rated utini adult novel um, that we have so far. A canon adult novel yep. that we have so far. The only other one that's this high, I think is uh, Revenge of the Sith novelization is this high, at least. And Lost Stars is this high, at least, as well.
4: Yep. Yeah, and I'm with y'all, other than the fact that I, I don't think I can give it a perfect 10. But I don't. I don't know what I gave it the first time around. It was above a nine. I'm gonna say a nine point five. I think. It, All right, that's
2: that's where you started.
4: It's where I started. Okay, yeah, because you hate it, and that's yeah. fine. That's I mean, why you it's just not it. that great. <laughs> um, no, I, I love this book. I just. I mean, I don't know that I'll ever give anything a ten until I get. I don't know. It, it, it would have to be something involving Obi Wan. Kenobi is maybe that's as right. close to a ten as I can get. Um, but yeah, I mean, perfect way to launch this era. Not a page really was wasted. There's so many questions. I mean, look, this was our first ever three-part roundtable, and we probably could have stretched it even further, but we got to move on to other things. So um, fantastic way to start this, and I can't wait for more. And on that note, um, Eric, I think you're going to kind of talk us through what's coming up, what's next for the High Republic. Where do we go from here?
2: Absolutely. So coming up, everyone, Uh, Earlier this month, Claudia Gray's Into the Dark was released. Um, That Again, number one on the New York Times bestseller list of YA novels. Um, A lot of people have loved it. We've had reviews up. So that's the next uh, big story. Uh, Of course, Justina Ireland's A Test of Courage actually came out the same day as this. So if you're reading everything, those are the two stories that are out right now. Uh, As well, Kevin Scott's High Republic comic Two issues are out currently, with issue three coming up, and issue one of Daniel Jose Older's *The Higher Republic Adventures* is out currently. Whatever comics are sold. So, looking ahead, uh, Utini-wise, next week we have our big Utini Living Force 100th episode. We're just gonna we're gonna celebrate the ride we've had so far. Have a couple surprises for everyone, and that will be on YouTube live at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, YouTube next week, next Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, and then Higher Republic-wise. Either, and we'll talk about this off-air, off, uh, off air, uh, one or two weeks after that, or three weeks after that. We'll see how the schedule works out. Uh, our Into the Dark two-part roundtable will be coming up. We'll go back to our regular format for that. And then coming up, we got The Rising Storm from Kevin Scott. We got more stuff coming out, of course. Check the Utini release schedule for everything High Republic. Um, and monthly, the comics are both coming out at this point, so we have no shortage of High Republic content to look forward to and I cannot freaking wait but on that note my friends we're going to go away for the night and that's going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force if you're already supporting us on Patreon head on over to Discord, tell us how much you love the show, we are not doing Aftermath tonight because we ran late, we will be doing a giant Aftermath show next week after the 100th to just celebrate with you all and have some fun, so make sure you hang out for that show next week a special thank you goes out to Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support of this show and all things u You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles Zetsy Hankel And Wes is at Wes. Hope you're okay, buddy. A special thank you goes out to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer, extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey and Charles for podcasting me tonight. Thank you to all of you for joining our last show on Twitch. We'll see you next week on YouTube. And as always, we are all the Republic.
4: There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy.